When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On 6.30 They are about to drop the pocket Rogers place. Game 6 between the Dallas Stars and the Colorado Avalanche. Stars leading the series three games to two. Hutchinson versus Hudobin will be the goaltending matchup in that one. The winner of this series will play the winner of Vancouver and Vegas. And the Canucks staying alive with an incredible goaltending performance last night from Thatcher Demko. We'll talk about that a little bit later on with Kelly Rudy, our weekly guest here on Inside Sports. That is the only hockey game tonight. Again, they'll be dropping the puck in just a few minutes. We will keep you updated every stride of the way. NBA tonight, the Heat lead Milwaukee 66-60. Early in the second half, Miami is up one nothing in that series. Game 7 between the Thunder and the Rockets a little bit later on. The Blue Jays with a 2-1 lead on the Marlins. That is in the bottom of the fifth. And we'll keep an eye on Canadian Denis Shapovalov at the U.S. Open. His second-round match against Sunwoo Kwan from Korea. And uh, Shapovalov lost the first set in a tiebreak. Uh, 7-5 in the tiebreaker, and Shapovalov was up 5-2 in that one and could not put it away. Shapovalov has a 4-3 lead in the second set. Uh, I was watching a little bit of that match while I was uh, having dinner before the show, and uh, Jack Michaels talked about this on Monday. Very, very weird to watch tennis without fans. As a matter of fact, of all the, the I guess, what have I really watched this summer? Uh, obviously, the National Hockey League the NBA, Major League Baseball, uh, some golf, and now some tennis. And of those five sports, I have found the tennis the weirdest with no fans. Now, obviously, in in hockey, there is some noise piped in uh, the NBA a little bit as well. I find baseball can often be quiet on TV anyway, especially if it's kind of just a, a doldrums-type game. Golf, yeah, you get the roars. I, I suppose when there have been some winning putts, I, I talked earlier in the week about that incredible putt. Well, putts, you got one from Dustin Johnson to tie and one from John Rahm to win on, on Sunday. It was a little weird not having the gallery explode when those went in, but just generally watching the, the course of the round, I didn't find it that unusual without fans. Tennis seemed odd. 
because the crowd participates so much, usually after each point, and sometimes the points don't last more than a few seconds, there's usually some sort of applause or a reaction or a ooh or a ah or a groan. And just to have nothing from that in the tennis, I, I, I found really, really unusual. Maybe I should be more used to it than I am, but especially the U.S. Open, it's usually such a raucous crowd and, and uh, you know, they'll often pull for American players against players from other countries and all that kind of stuff. And it, it just was really weird hearing how how quiet it was. And then the player reaction too. Shapovalov missed a shot and really screamed in frustration which of course they do anyway and you get some of that sound but it it even echoed even more and resonated even more because there was nobody in the stands anyway we'll keep an eye on the uh, shop of all off match as we move along tonight hey thanks a lot for tuning in hope you've had a good day to this point thanks for spending part of it with inside sports my name is reed wilkins i am always happy to hear from you if you would like to call or text it's the same number 780-496-0063 you can email me inside sports at 630 ched.com follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. All right. So this is pretty interesting today, just as a bit of a fun note to start the show. Vin Scully, the legendary L.A. Dodgers I guess I shouldn't just say L.A. Dodgers because he was with the Brooklyn Dodgers. That's how long he's been doing it. Has joined social media. He has joined Twitter. Vin Scully, the, the one and only. Here's a message he put out today. Hi, everybody, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you. This is Vin making his debut on social media, and it's nice to be welcomed. I'm delighted to see if I can't serve you in any way, shape, or form. We might chat about a a famous date in baseball or a player or a team, and hopefully nothing controversial. This is strictly a meeting of friends having some fun talking about our favorite subject so pull up a chair and be ready to join me hopefully in the very near future as we start our careers together on social media all right cool stuff there vin scully he is 92 years of age he retired in 2016 at the age of 88 67 seasons calling uh games for the dodgers i mean that's that is amazing. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure most of you know this, but I, I think it's worth talking about because it's so incredible. He started calling games in 1950 when, yes, they they were still indeed the Brooklyn Dodgers and went all the way up to 2016. And now he's getting on Twitter and he's appealing to everybody there. Uh, let's keep it a meeting between friends. Nothing controversial. I, I hope if anybody on Twitter can get his wish and on, on social media to keep it civil and to keep it friendly. I would hope it's Vin Scully because Twitter has become one of the most vile places uh, on the planet. So hopefully for Vin Scully and, and all his followers and listeners and fans, it's a much more positive experience, which leads me, we haven't had an off topic topic in a while. Let's have an off topic topic. You can text in whenever you like seven, eight, zero, four, nine, six, zero, zero, six, three, which sports figure, and let's go with, with somebody who, uh, who is no longer with us. Which sports figure do you wish could have had Twitter in his or her prime? Which sports figure do you wish could have had Twitter in his or her prime? Certainly the first name that pops to my mind is Muhammad Ali. 
Now, I, I guess he didn't really need Twitter to get his message across, but I, I'm sure he could have come up with some pretty eloquent zingers and word plays and things like that on Twitter if he had had access to it. I, I, maybe maybe that's just the obvious choice. I don't know. Kellen, maybe there's a wrestler you can think of. Like, maybe if... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Ravishing Rick Rude, perhaps? He'd be good. He'd Was be he right. on Twitter before? Because he passed away, didn't he? Yeah, but he passed away in 1999, so... Well, has he been gone that long yeah, already? Yeah, almost oh, wow. 20 years, yeah. yeah what so. was his real name again? Uh, Rick Rude. <laughs> what was his name yeah, before so, he changed it to Rick Rude? So, <laughs> uh, on, yeah, no, seriously, his real name was Richard R O O D Rude. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so oh, so he go. changed it to Ravishing Rude, Rude, as in impolite. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good stuff. So there you go. Uh, my vote would be for, and this would be uh, longtime WWF fans would remember this name, uh, the Junkyard Dog. Oh, okay. He, All he, right. He he'd be really fun, and I think he'd be really interesting to follow on Twitter for sure. Especially with the, uh, um, you know, with the, it'd be awesome to get his views on 2020s America right now because he was such a uh, as, as a athlete of color, such a standout athlete, and such a a, a great example for kids in the 80s for a a, a babyface wrestler, right? So. Somebody has uh, written in Howard Cosell. A couple people wrote in Mike Tyson, who, by the way, I, I kind of said who is no longer with us because if, if somebody can join Twitter, but Mike Tyson uh, is on Twitter. He apparently really tweets a, a little bit. He was tweeting about sharks about a month ago. Oh, because he did that Shark Week thing, didn't he? He did, yeah. He fought a shark or something like that? I didn't see what happened, but yeah, well, it's something they were. <laughs> well, we could just say that because it sounds cool. Mike Tyson fought a shark. Yeah, but Mike Tyson right. has five and a half million followers on Twitter. <laughs> uh, Dennis, is Dennis Rodman? Dennis Rodman must be on Twitter. Now I'm looking up all these uh, athletes. Yeah, Dennis Rodman has a Twitter account. He has 463,000 followers. I'm rounding up a little bit. Yeah, he does not tweet a lot. Tweet, tweeted a little video of himself on uh, on July 14th. Macho Man Randy Savage. Macho Man has uh, has passed, has he not? He has, yes. That, that would be a definitely awesome choice to follow for sure. All right. Anyway, uh, you can keep those coming as we move along tonight. 780... <laughs> Daryl says Mike Tyson bit the shark's fin off. <laughs> That's pretty good, Daryl. I like that. Uh, it's like some shark fin soup. <laughs> Mike made it on his own. That's really cool. All right. Uh, yeah. Oh, Babe Ruth. Yeah, Babe Ruth on Twitter. No, that would have been interesting. He would have had a whole bunch of kids asking him to hit home runs for him. Like, yes, okay, yes, okay, replying to all of them. <laughs> he hit a lot of home runs. <laughs> 780-496-0063. Colorado-Dallas underway, three minutes and ten seconds into the first period, no score. Of course, we will uh, keep you updated. Hey, hey, hey I want to remind everybody, you, you miss anything on the show or you want to listen again, you can always sign up for the Inside Sports Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We uh, will try to get a Inside Sports canned ham delivered to your house or place of work uh, when you do sign up. We're a little behind on that. We do have a bunch of uh, uh, aged canned ham. Here's the thing. Uh, canned hams are like wine. They get better with age. So we have some vintage uh, canned hams that used to belong to David Letterman in the warehouse at 630 Chet. So if you sign up for the podcast, you might get a canned ham delivered. Yep. But uh, last night... We uh, 
Well, we, we hope we bring you a good show every night, but we had a really cool guest uh, about 24 hours ago. Amanda Rummery was on the show. She's a, a Paralympian, lives here in Edmonton. She's the Paralympic champ for women in the 100, 200, and 400 meters. So she told her story. Now, unfortunately, part of, part of her story this week is that she had some modified bikes stolen out of her garage, and you can get that story on globalnews.ca and 630shed.com. I tweeted out a link to it last night, and she gave a description of the bikes and how it happened, and they're modified for her to ride them because she does not have a left arm below the elbow she told the story last night of being involved in a in an accident and she basically lost the use of her left left arm and then eventually decided to get it amputated and just she was describing it yesterday right at the elbow and she was not a high level athlete or or a sprinter until a few years ago when she decided to get involved in Paralympic sports uh, after having the injury and, and losing first the use of her arm and then part of the arm itself. And she was just amazing to talk to, so much energy. And I asked her about about her attitude. Where do you have all this positivity? And it seems like nothing has, has got you down about going through this. To be honest, um, I, I have been pretty positive through it all. I was raised that... It is what it is. You can't change the past. Um, kind of tough love. So when my accident happened, I was continually told by the surgeons and the doctors that I would regain mobility and sensation in my arm and hand. So when that wasn't the case and my surgeries were unsuccessful, of course that was upsetting. But um, I knew that everything happens for a reason and that I was chosen to go through my accident and there was like two friends were on the quad with me and I um, I was the one driving. So I'm very thankful that the paralyzed arm uh, happened to me instead of that. But at the same time, I look around sometimes at people and I'm glad that this happened to me instead of them just because I've made the most of it and I'm very thankful to have found track and I always look forward to going to practice and to competing and it's really given me a purpose and something to work towards and created my dream of representing Canada at Tokyo 2020. Yeah, she was awesome. So very likely to be in the Paralympics next summer when the Olympics return. So we'll definitely keep following Amanda's career and so pleased to have her on the show last night. Okay, we got to call a quick timeout. Oh, I got a couple of beauty texts here about uh, a past sports figure that people would have loved to see on Twitter. We will get to those when we get back to Inside Sports. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. Just reading that Tom Seaver has passed away, former big league pitcher, uh, pitcher died at the age of 75 on uh, Monday in uh, March of uh, 2019. He kind of faded out of public life. He'd been diagnosed with dementia. He passed away at his home in California from complications from Lyme disease and dementia. Incredible stats, 311 victories, over 3,600 strikeouts, three Cy Young awards, and uh, a member of the Miracle Mets 1969 championship season. We say farewell to uh, great pitcher, Tom Seaver, who passes away at the age of 75. Seven minutes into the first period at Rogers Place. 
no score between Colorado and Dallas Hutchinson and Hudobin, the goaltenders in that game. That is the only NHL game today. We uh, also await the schedule for the next round. I, I was talking last night that if the Islanders had won last night, they uh, it was sounding like they would have started the East final in Toronto for with game one tomorrow instead of uh, getting them out to Edmonton for the start of the series. So uh, we just got to wait and see what happens. There will be games tomorrow. And uh, beyond that, we don't know. Game seven, Colorado and Dallas would be uh, in a couple of days if it goes the distance and the other two series are tomorrow. They could end. They could get pushed to seven games and the Tampa Bay Lightning are already through to the East final. Derek says uh, both Jake the Snake Roberts and the Big Boss Man would have been awesome on Twitter. Kellen, you got to help me with the wrestling okay. here. Are they are they still with us? Uh, Jake is still with us and and does have a Twitter account. He's okay. Uh, I'm not. I don't know if he's active on Twitter or not, but he does have a Twitter account now. The Big Bo- Boss Man did pass away, so we can throw him into the uh, the category was, that we're talking about tonight. So was he the one that dressed like a police officer yes. and partnered up with Earthquake for a while? Uh, he he partnered up with Earthquake. He partnered up with Akeem, the African Dream, back in the uh, late '80s as well to form the okay. Twin Towers tag team. It was one of the okay. big heel ta- tag teams that uh, feuded with Hogan and the Macho Man back in the day. So, A couple good suggestions here. Yogi Berra or Eddie Shack. I'm sure they would have uh, mm. been great on Twitter. Oh, Jackie Robinson, that's a cool suggestion. Al says, I would have loved to follow the home run king, Hank Aaron. Oil Drench says Jesse Owens. Well, imagine Jesse Owens on Twitter after the 1936 Olympics. That would oh, have been that'd amazing. Be amazing. Cowtown Bob writes in. Cowtown Bob, good to hear from you. Hope the cows are doing well. Uh, Cowtown Bob, side note, he actually trains cows. Like, they they do tricks and stuff. Did you know that, Cal? Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, they kind of jump through hoops and do the little obstacle courses. It's pretty pretty elaborate. (laughs) it's like like super dogs but it's like super dogs but they're super cows cows, yes they're better they're better than the super dogs which is people know i I, i'm not i'm not a fan of because i think they're overrated but cowtown bob super cows are actually super anyway i was going to just quickly say is that's one of the downsides of COVID 19 this year we don't get to hear your yearly super dogs rant about uh when the double e's bring the uh super dogs in well well i may get into it at some point you know hockey's gonna end and we're not gonna have any any cfl in the fall i may just do a show on super dogs uh cowtown bob says harold ballard was outrageous and would have been great on twitter in 1980 he said maple leaf gardens was the best arena in the nhl when it was almost condemned <laughs> that's pretty good uh countdown bob coming through on the text slide as he often does you can keep those rolling in or if you want to text me about anything else that's fine 780-496-0063 this texture says i've trained my cows to jump into the barbecue wow that's that's both funny and dark i don't mind a little dark humor Oh, same text almost says, do you think a cleft bomb for Kemper trade could happen? Uh, I, I, I don't know about that. I'd be reluctant to... Uh, I mean, the Oilers going to do something about the goaltending, and, and it is a, a vital position. To me, that, that seems like they'd be uh, selling pretty high there to get Kemper. This. 
This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. If you missed me mentioning it earlier, Tom Seaver has passed away at the age of 75. Family sources saying that he passed away in California on uh, Monday. Complications from Lyme disease and dementia. 311 victories for Seaver. Three Cy Young Awards. One of the all-time greats in Major League Baseball. No score. Six minutes left in the first period between Colorado and Dallas. The Blue Jays lead the Marlins 2-1. That is in the bottom of the seventh. Gurriel Jr. with a home run in that game. Drove in two. That was in the top of the fifth for the Blue Jays. NBA tonight, the Heat and the Bucks. Miami leads at 83-82 with a minute and a half left in the third quarter. Game two of that series, the Heat took the opener. Game seven between the Thunder and the Rockets coming up in about half an hour. And uh, tennis, Shapovalov against Kwan and the Canadian Lost the first set in a tiebreaker, bounces back to win the second set 6-4. It is 1-1 in the third set. Kelly Rudy will join us a little bit later on uh, this half hour. Uh, some people texting in about Oilers goaltending. And yeah, I also should mention Jake Allen was traded today from St. Louis to Montreal. So the Canadian is trying to get a uh, better backup for for Carey Price. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a story to follow. And I was Frank Cervelli on TSN wrote a good piece today about uh, goaltending. Pendant for, pending free agent goaltenders include Markstrom, Leonard, Holtby, Hudobin, Grice, Crawford, Talbot, Mike Smith, Elliot Howard, Ryan Miller, Craig Anderson, Laurent Brassois, and Aaron Dell. And then goalies who could be on the trade markets, uh, Matt Murray, Marc-Andre Fleury, Frederick Anderson, Henrik Lundqvist, Antti Ranta, and maybe one of Columbus's two goalies, Corpus Salo or Merz-Leakins. That's an extensive list. And that's, look, as, as you guys know, I'm not as, as huge into, into trade proposals as, uh, you know, like Stoff's really good at them between uh, noon and two. I just know the Oilers need a better goaltending tandem. And, and look, I, I I know maybe you might be sitting there thinking, say, well, Reed's contradicting himself, and, and to some extent, I, I'll, I'll admit that I am because for the regular season, I would actually give the the Oilers goaltending a passing grade. One of the two guys was usually at least doing above average. Smith certainly had a drop off in most of November and into December. Really, after he made he had that incredible game in Pittsburgh, he wasn't that good until the new year. And uh, then he carried the load. And it, the, the thing is, I, I felt like Smith's higher end was higher than Koskinen's, but his lower end was lower than Koskinen's bad games. And then in, in the playoffs, there were a lot of problems for the Oilers. And, and I would say goaltending was one of them. I know they didn't defend very well, but I, I didn't think they got enough saves. And I thought at times Koskinen was really swimming around in his net and uh, was slow getting across. And that led to at least a couple of goals against so I, I, I don't believe they'll re-sign Mike Smith. Um, there are some goalies on that list with pretty good histories in the National Hockey League. You know, you look at Fleury and Holtby, for example. Obviously, they are older, and, and maybe you say, well, what, 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 is, what is their ability now at this point? Matt Murray is, is interesting to me. I would, I would hope you wouldn't have to give up somebody like Oscar Kleffbaum. With all those goalies out there and... With the, the cap not going up, you might be able to get a discount or, or you might be able to, to buy low in a trade. 
And, and I realize I've said a goaltender changes everything. So you might have to part with a decent player, but if, if you're trading Oscar Clefbaum, um, I, I still think that that kind of r- really weakens your defense. I don't know if there's anybody that can jump in there right away and, and do what Clefbaum can do. That's just how I, how I look at that right now. But th- there are some interesting, I mean, look, I'll even throw this there out there. You guys, would you look at bringing Cam Talbot back for a year? I mean, I don't know. We've we've seen what Talbot can do when he's on his game. We we've seen what also can happen when shooters really pick his spots, pick their spots on him. Um, you know, I think Brian Elliott at this point, I, I would say no. Uh, Ryan Miller at this point, I don't think so. Probably not Craig Anderson at this point. Frederick Anderson's an interesting name. I mean, the Leafs may be looking for a defenseman. I mean, certainly Nurse for Anderson is something that's been thrown in there, thrown out there a lot. Um, speculation that Jesse Puliyarvi, who might be an Oiler this coming season, would not be trade bait because if Ken Holland's going to go through the effort of bringing him back, he's then not going to deal him. So I don't know. A lot of a lot of things to consider. I, I do think. I do think ideally Miko Koskinen is, is a backup and, and I know he's not paid like one and I know he's had some pretty good runs in, in the national hockey league. Um, but I, you know, I think ideally maybe if he played 30 to 35 games and he had somebody else who could play 45 to 50, that might be a better split. But I think definitely one of the storylines for, uh, for the Oilers and we'll see what other tweaks to the roster might happen. I mean, Holland's already committed to bringing back some, uh, some depth guys. If you look at Archibald, Nygaard, Haas, some players like that up front remains a question. We'll see if they bring Tyler Ennis back. Uh, we'll see what happens with the contract contract of Andreas Athanasiu, who perhaps they could not qualify and then sign for a cheaper rate. I was looking back. I got a, I got a notebook full of line combinations going back throughout the season. When I do my prep for the broadcasts, the, the last game against the jets, that and be and look, we I certainly criticized Dave Tippett for not having that line together in the uh, playoffs of Dry Settle, Yamamoto, and Nugent Hopkins. Well, he split them up that last game against the Jets. Ennis played with Dry Settle and Yamamoto, Nugent Hopkins played with McDavid and Cassian. I think, in terms of trying to find line combinations, I, I really don't think. Tippett and his coaching staff and Ken Holland really got to experiment to the extent that they wanted to because of the season being placed in pause. And then you come back for the playoffs. Having said that, I I still don't fully agree with Tippett continuing that experiment. Once you got into a qualifying round and especially once you got down to a game where your season ended, if you lost, I think you got to load the gun with the most dangerous bullets. And he didn't do that at that point. Um, but I, but I think they, they wanted to experiment and maybe give McDavid and Nugent Hopkins a, a chance together and then find somebody else to go with dry cycle and Yamamoto. Ennis was getting that look when the jets played the Oilers on March 11th. And then, you know, adding to that Ennis gets, gets hurt in the playoffs, but I still just feel, and I, and I think Tippett did a really good job. I think he and his staff did a really good job. So I'm quibbling here and you don't want to evaluate the whole season based on four games played under unusual circumstances in, in August. I, I get that. But I, I just feel like, yes, the Oilers need to to round out the roster. You know, yes, they, they need to plug a couple holes in the top six. And I, and I understand what he was saying for the Oilers to be successful long-term. They, they need the lines to be structured a certain way. But 
I guess my response to that would be Dave Tippett was not coaching the 2022 Oilers a month ago. He was coaching the 2020 Oilers. And I think there were some uh, limitations to the 2020 Oilers. And I think there were some strengths to the 2020 Oilers and, and he didn't employ those strengths enough. Anyway, that's why we would look at some of that. 780-496-0063, late in the first period, two and a half to go. No score between the Stars and the Avalanche. Kelly Rudy, when we get back. This is Jajar Kara from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30. Chad. All right. While we were gone, goals. It's now one-one between Colorado and Dallas. Just watching the uh, replay of the Colorado goal. I think Comfort tipped it in front. Well, you know what? There might be a challenge here for goal interference. We'll see. Uh, Heiskanen got the first goal at 17.35. And now a Colorado point shot gets by Hudobin. Yeah, I think I think Alexiak pushed Comfer into Hudobin and kind of knocked him off balance a little bit, and the puck went in underneath. 31.1 seconds left in the first period. I don't think Dallas is going to challenge. No, face off at center ice. So 1-1 Colorado-Dallas in the final 30 seconds of the first period. He joins us every week here on Inside Sports, courtesy Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian, head to sentinel.ca. Broadcaster, former NHL goaltender, Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Reading yourself? I'm doing very well. Nice to have you on the show. And the second round continues. Could have had all the series end in the last couple of days, but three teams stay alive. Oh, man, let's dive right into this Vancouver storyline. How about Thatcher Demko jumping in and, and saving the series, keeping it alive for the Canucks? Wasn't that a great uh, story and just so fun to watch? And, you know, I had a smile on my face in the second period when it was just uh, lights out. And, you know, you think of... You know, it's it's not a fluke though. That's one thing. Like he's he was a second rounder. He had represented his country, the U.S. a number of times internationally when he was younger. And uh, Hobie Baker finalist uh, won the Mike Richter Award. So he had a lot of uh, you know history behind him that would suggest that he would be be pretty darn good. And I even said on the broadcast last night, if you go back to 2018, his uh, experiences in the playoffs there in the AHL, uh, although he lost in the first round in five games uh, to a powerhouse, the Toronto Marlies, he was exceptional in every game. So, uh, you know, that that history is important so that you know that he's passed every test along the way. And uh, to see him last night, it was so fantastic. Now, I will say this, um, sort of, I've sort of been in that situation. You have to find a way to get back to that same level emotionally uh, tomorrow. And that can be a real challenge because it's a, it's a real high after the game. And uh, I'm sure he didn't sleep until around 4 o'clock this morning because of the excitement he felt. So uh, you sort of got to now park it and find a way to get back to that same level. Well, you make a good point, and he's not some out-of-nowhere player. I mean, clearly you mentioned his past, and and, he, and he's played pretty well at times during the regular season. But it, it is a different yeah. situation going into the postseason and especially facing uh, uh, elimination. But I, I imagine, yeah. you know, your teammates see you make those first few saves probably calms everybody down. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that, Louis DeBrus said that, I think, about seven minutes into the broadcast, that he just looked really poised. And uh, that's what I was thinking watching in my office, that he didn't look at all overwhelmed or not even jittery a tiny bit. So, uh, you know, your body language gives off so many signs, right? And then after uh, Shea Theodore scored in the second period, and I'm watching his body language again, it was kind of like, gosh, shrug it off, you know, business as usual, and let's keep playing. And, and so, you know, I think that it's going to be a tough decision now whether, I don't know the severity of Mark's from injury, but do you try and find a way to get him back? Did he just need one day off or do you go right back with Demko? And so they're going to have a pretty difficult decision, I would think. Yeah, but they're uh, they're alive, taking on a very good Vegas team. So we'll see if the Canucks can uh, yes. enforce a seventh game for sure. Uh, and also Philadelphia stayed alive. Uh, man, Kelly, the, like the number of deflection goals this year. I, I know screening the goaltending and the goaltender and tips are always a part of hockey, but it just seems. I mean, even going back to the Oilers series, the number of deflected goals going off somebody in front. It, it just seems. That's such a theme for this year's play, and some nice deflections, like out of midair, subtle yeah. little tips just to change direction. It's really a story for me this year. Yeah, absolutely. And then the unintended deflections uh, off your own guys. And so I think Carey Price at one point, uh, I've forgotten now how many goals he gave up in the series, but I think at one point we did a little thing on him, and uh, six of the ten goals uh, were off his own players. And so, like it's got to be awfully disheartening that you think you're in good position and, uh, you know, your players, your teammates are trying to do the right thing. That's all they're taught now just to try and get in the way. But at some point, at some point you would think it might become a little frustrating, like, Oh man, just, just let me make the save. But on the other side of it, yeah, you're right about the uh, intended deflections uh, offensively that, uh, you know, it's just incredible hand eye coordination and uh, with the shots, at the velocity they are in today's game uh, and the accuracy never being greater, it's it's pretty remarkable how these guys are able to get their stick on it somehow. And, and as a goalie, you would have been there. You know the guy's in front of you and he's going to try to tip it, but you can't assume it's going to be tipped, right? Because then if it's not, until <laughs> you wind up missing the That's original right. shot. That's exactly it. So in, it's in the back of your brain that it appears as though the guy's in good position to get a stick on it. So you sort of kind of prepare for that. But uh, your your first inclination, of course, is to make the first save. So um, it's you, you, you know more than anything, though, Reed. When you're, you're in a position like that, it's it's about positioning. It's not about reacting to the deflection. It's more about positioning. And now it's a little bit more difficult because the goalies are back in the net more, and there's more. T- because normally in that situation in my day anyways you just sort of propel yourself out towards the the player himself and then uh, the deflected shot wouldn't have as far to move but uh, in a lot of the cases that we're talking about in these playoffs that that situation just isn't there for the goalie Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. You mentioned Carey Price, who now has uh, a new teammate, Jake Allen, traded from St. Louis to Montreal today. 
I, I don't know, Kelly. For me, Jake Allen was one of those guys where I'm like, oh wow, like he's 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 30 years old. <laughs> he turned uh, 30 on uh, on August 7th, so almost uh, a month ago. Yet I, for some reason, I always think of him as as a younger player uh, uh, in in my head. I mean, he's been St. Louis's number one at times in his career. He's been their backup at other times in his career. I, I, to me, that's an interesting addition for for Montreal and and, and maybe kind of a, a more solid backup behind Price here moving along. Well, you know, you're right, though. I, I had forgotten he's 30 years old until I looked it up earlier today. But um, he's a guy that uh, he's easier to cheer for. He's a really likable guy. His teammates love him, and the organization has great respect for him. But they they felt that uh, they needed to go in a different direction, the Blues. And so he became available. Um, he I'm I'm still trying to figure out what this this deal is for Montreal. We know that he'd be a great backup for Carey Price, but that's an awful lot of money for two guys. Uh, when one guy, Carey Price, is going to still be carrying the bulk of the load, you would think. Uh, but then is he is it because they they're going to make another deal, or he will be available for expansion when uh, Seattle comes in? I, I, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to ask uh, Elliot. Uh, what what the deal is there but uh you know there's no question that uh, Montreal has to figure out their backup i don't know if, if primo is the guy if he's quite ready yet if he needs another year in the minors so uh I, like as you can tell from my voice i'm not sure where this is leading yeah, good point, and uh, obviously goaltending a big discussion for the Oilers because I don't know if, if Mike Smith is is, is going to be back and who they might uh, might wind up getting, so that's that's yeah. the other thing we're going to be following for sure. <laughs> Kelly, uh, last week uh, you you wound up uh, in, in the news. You, you voiced your, your opinion on some of the postponements, and, and you felt like it wasn't a good idea for the National Hockey League to be playing on the day that they did. They eventually did miss a couple of games. Um you know, the discussion was hot and heavy last week. Uh, I, I had the week off, and I know Dave was in, and, and a lot of people were emotional and opinionated on it. And now we're, you know, about a, a week later, and it, it's still a topic, but certainly the the discussion maybe tails off a little bit. You know, the NBA, NHL, some Major League Baseball teams uh, took a stand. Players uh, acted and spoke. I wonder where we go from here. Is this going to be something we're saying in a few years that was a turning point, or is it going to be uh, an act that maybe doesn't have uh, an echo as we move forward? I don't know. I'm not trying to sound cynical or anything, but sometimes, you know, things really grab the headlines and then fade away. I wonder where we're going to go. Well, in my heart, I believe that uh, it will have an impact. Uh, I think the players standing together and doing, in my opinion, the right thing. That was uh, uh, amazing to see and how they um, thought that with what's going on in the world that uh, they needed to stand up and and speak out. Um, It just felt uh, wrong that day. Leading up to the broadcast, I was really... uh, uh, Mentally, I wasn't quite there. I, I knew that this was uh, something very, very important and something that uh, uh, I just felt wrong going air. And I expressed that feelings or those feelings to my bosses. And I must say, uh, it felt good because I, I knew I had their support. They said I could either take the night off um, and or I could say whatever I wanted on the air and that they w- I wasn't going to be censored and I wasn't going to be punished. And, and uh, I, I thought of that. 
Um, but my wife, I, I think about 40 minutes before going air, she gave me the best advice. If, if you don't go on the show and if you don't express yourself, nobody will know what you're feeling. It'll just look as though you have a day off and, uh, and you're not making any point. And so uh, then I thought, yeah, you're right. I'm going to go on the show. And I'm, I wasn't sure what I was going to say, but uh, I just basically spoke from the heart about you know, uh, Black Lives Matter and my opinion on it. Now, um, uh, I know that uh, the Hockey Diversity Alliance, uh, they've contacted me about, uh, you know, um, they, they mentioned that I was the first uh, guy to speak up about it. So I was proud about that. But uh, I, I don't think the people in the game are going to change. I think they, they recognize that uh, um, we have to all, speak together and band together and do the right thing yeah well said kelly and and good for you for sure hey man thanks for checking in playoffs are fun i guess we'll be talking conference finals and other storylines whenever we hook up next week really appreciate it man glad you're doing well okay thanks reed talk to you next week bud that is Kelly Rooney. He joins us every week on Inside Sports, courtesy Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian. Head to sentinel.ca. First intermission at Rogers Place. It's a 1-1 tie, Colorado and Dallas. Back after the news. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.